This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm Greg Pesci. And I'm NJ Pesci. Welcome back. It's good to be here. It is a holy day of holies because today we have with us Mike in Middle America, and he is about to get ready for a big college football game today in Iowa. And a big-time conference. Big-time conference, big-time football <laughs> game. You can't see it, but we can see him wearing his Iowa State Cyclone colors here on It's Never Just a Game. Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. It's great to be back. I got a little uh, little hoarse voice. I, I had COVID earlier this week, so I'm fully recovered now, But uh, so I apologize for You're the, feeling good? Scratchy, but I feel 100%. Feel great. The only problem with having Mike at the beginning of the show is that we can't do his own intro music that we do. That's true. Before Mike in Middle America. So we'll make sure that Christian ends with that part there. As you can hear, Michael, wow. play, playing the music a little bit longer this morning because, well, like we mentioned last week, we paid for this stuff. A lot of money. So let's do it. <laughs> uh, take it out. So we've got Mike in Middle America. We're going to talk about a few things. We're going to talk about that big game, Iowa, Iowa State. We're going to talk about other big games happening this week. We are going to talk about the changes that are um, going to happen in baseball next year that make me extremely happy. And then we're going to talk about um, politics in sports and an incident that happened in the last couple of weeks that is close to us as it happened with BYU. Uh, we're dragging Mike into the conversation. We will try to stay as level as we possibly can, but I'm sure we'll be accused by some of being apologists, Greg. <clears throat> I, think we, I think that's true. Yeah. So we'll take it. We'll take that. But I do have one question for Mike from the start here. Is it normal for this rivalry game to happen this early in the season? Always, it's always the uh, I did not know second that. game of the year. Um, and the rivalry started; they started it back up. It ended for a long, long time, and I think it was in the late seventies they restarted it again. And it's always the second game, as far as I remember. You always get one warm-up game against some powerhouse like uh, we played last week, Southeast Missouri, and then uh, and then you go at each other. So yeah, wow. Because you know we're not in the same conference, so you got to get that out of the way. And that's, that's pretty right. cool. That's right. So um, I'm, I'm making hand motions at Mike. So Mike has a brand new microphone. He sounds fantastic. But it also means if you touch that table at all, Mike, we can hear it. So you're going to have to hold those hands in your lap. Or there you go. I'm holding on to my mic with two hands because otherwise I'm drumming the table. All right. I like shouldn't that. be trusted with technology. Yeah, you guys but, know this is your fault. So, so Iowa State, <laughs> Iowa game happening. That The fact that they're not in the same conference is a joke. Just like BYU, Utah, not in the same conference. I have a joke. So right now, talk about that because there's talk of Utah coming to the Big Twelve. You've heard that. Yes, we have heard that, and because it is a fine research institution <laughs> for the Pac-12, we hope um, from the Pac-12 for the Big Twelve, we hope they come in because my goodness, the medical school is just absolutely is amazing. Un- it's got a great law school. It's good business school. It's a great tough as it is. It's a great university. But let's calm down. There, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, but one of my my son Joe had to educate me on this, but. Um, Probably the the biggest the, the most most followed um, person with Iowa State athletics is is called Cyclone Fanatic is the is what he goes by and his his name is um, it's uh, Chris Williams and he got you know started hearing about this Utah coming in and apparently and I haven't heard any of this but I, I've been brought up to speed but um, there's been some comments coming out of Utah that the Big Twelve is not good enough for them and that they really should be going to the Big Ten. Wow. He's heard that. Wow. We have not heard it, but we're not. Are you surprised, okay. Greg? So no. He's been tweeting back and forth with the BYU folks because, uh, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And, yes. Uh, so now the uh, Iowa State fanat- Cyclone Fanatic is, uh, is, is hardwired in with some of the BYU faithful. 
um, because apparently Utah thinks they're just too good to come to the Big 12. Wow. Well, I mean, they, they've they been playing very well. They've had a lot of success. Um, but the idea that they're too good for the Big 12 is a little interesting. I mean, was it 6-7 and seven Florida last year? Yeah. Was it six and seven? Let's just let's remind everybody, Greg, that um, recently, I just want to know: is it six and seven last year? What the record? Yeah, Florida. Yeah, yeah. And so they just went there and lost to them, yes. and they're too good to be in the Big Twelve. But Greg, to that point, they did flash up something on one of the networks that said the Big, I mean, the Pac-12 in opening days against the SEC is one and eight. Yeah, one win, eight losses in the past five to ten years, whatever it is, can't win a game. One game out of nine, that's all they can win. And here's the thing. I listened to a guy at Pac-12 yesterday. He's one of the writers for the Pac-12 talking about how they are in a powerful position right now. Really? Yeah. I don't know what that position is, Greg. I, I don't. It's probably, it's probably, sorry, it's probably just research. Yeah. They continue so. to tell themselves this stuff, don't yeah. they? That, that, yeah, they do. But they're not losing. They're not having attrition issues. They're exactly where they want to be. I, I just don't understand how you're not that. That lack of self-awareness. I don't get it. And, and and having them talk about it, they said yesterday, they, the Pac-12 people, said there's only one game happening out west. Meanwhile, number 21 is playing number nine. But the USC playing unranked Stanford is the big, <laughs> is the only game that matters. Yes. <laughs> now, that's the only you game know, that matters. It, yeah. It, it's interesting, but I mean, we, if we talk a little realignment today, it's, you know, clearly the SEC is the 10,000-pound gorilla and the big, 10 is right there. Um, you'd make an argument that the Big 12 is probably the next most secure conference, wouldn't you? Because yep. I don't even know the ACC or the Pac-12 is um, if everything keeps, you know, moving away from them. So it's just it's just funny to me that that comment's being made that, you know, to, if, they're, if they're truly saying that, too, too weak of a place for them to, to land. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I actually think if they came, if Utah came to Big 12, I, I actually would like, to, I would like that. You no, know, I have no problem with it either. I mean, because I, I think it's a very good team, and it's a our rival. We'd be back in the same conference again, and uh, I think it, I think it could be good. And honestly, UCLA has been nothing for a long time. A long time. And USC has been up and down, and yeah. now they have a chance going to the going to the Big Ten. However, will be interesting for UCLA specifically. Yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to fare there if they if they will become. Um, I don't know, the Washington State of the Big Ten, Big 12, whatever yeah. you're calling it, the Big Ten, whatever you're calling it these days. And I, and I think based on what's happened, I none of us are sure what will happen next. I mean, the ACC is left behind at this point, and Pac-12 is trying to stay alive. I don't know. We, we could have four or six more teams move before the end of the year because it's not dependent upon this year, obviously. Right. Those things will happen when, when um, television rights come up. So this anything could happen at this point. So Mike, let's just let's just ask this question. It's the Iowa Iowa State game right now. I think Iowa is Iowa favored by three? by three or three and a half. Yeah. So I took Iowa State plus three and a half. But the entire home okay. but the whole home, I put the the whole house up on that mic. <laughs> What's gonna happen to me and my family? Well, you've never been a smart man, so <laughs> <clears throat> it just validates that. I, you know, I, I don't know. It's this game is such a, a, an oddity. If you lived in the state and you watched this happen, I've seen this movie way too many times. Because I don't know if you heard what Iowa did last week against uh, who were they playing? Like North Dakota or South South Dakota State, I think. Who's actually very good. Um, what we used to call Division Two, 
uh, you know, the, the next division down, they're ranked like second in the country. So they're a good football program. Um, but they're going into Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City and playing a bunch of, against a bunch of, you know, four-star, five-star recruits. Iowa never scored on offense. Wow. They had two safeties and a field goal and won the game seven to three. Wow. They were a 35-point oh, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. favorite, I think yeah. it was. 35-point yeah. favorite, and they never scored a touchdown. You, you got to be feeling good about that, don't you? Well, but I've seen this movie before, Greg, and yeah. this happens. And then today, they will look like the greatest show on turf, and they'll <laughs> – uh, you know, they'll put up 50 on us or something. And, 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 you know, Kirk Ferentz is like, you know, they, they, their, their playbook was probably one page for that first game. They're not going to show anything. Um, and then they come, come at us with a whole different angle. Now Iowa state's got a, basically a whole new team when it comes to the skill position, new quarterback, our running back went to the jets. So we got a new running back in there. I like him though. Um, Mike. I like that guy. Yeah, he's good. And he's been a backup. He's been there yeah. the whole time that Reese Hall was there and stayed with the program, which is rare. And so kudos to that kid. Um, and it's his turn and, and he's got a lot of skill. I mean, he came in actually, I think he may have come in and had more highly recruited than Brees Hall. Um, so we've got some talent. We got a great receiver, um, Xavier Hutchinson, who came back for an extra year, which is also speaks highly. I think of our coach in the program, uh, kids want to stay there. Um, we put, I think we put three kids in the NFL out of that team last year. That's pretty good for Iowa state. So this new coach, uh, Matt Campbell's really, Got it going, but he's never beaten Iowa. Okay. This is a okay. Try, Today's the day. It is today. Because Genji can't lose his house. The whole house of that, yeah. Mike. Now, you mentioned the, the fact. Pool back there, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can see I'm yeah. wearing my Amesbury High 1980 shirt that my daughter, Olivia, had, oh, made, yeah. had made for me. And um, and you mentioned the fact that they don't show you any plays. So I want you to know that when I was a senior, um, we were terrible in football. <laughs> we're horrible in football. We... Um, about the third game in, I realized we're, we may never win a game this year. This is pretty bad. So I went to Coach Ladd, who was one of our defensive back coach and receiver coach and a good guy. I played at Boston College. And I said to him, maybe you could talk to, uh, to our head coach. And I just forgot his name, Greg. Uh, Perry? Perry, yeah. And let's just put one play in a week that we never run. Let's just run one or two. But let's, just, let's run one. So at the end of the season, we could have seven or eight plays on offense that no one's ever seen. That we can go into our final game on Thanksgiving. It's the only game that matters because we're not going to win a thing. Let's run eight to ten plays that they've never seen. And he was out of his mind for the idea, Greg. Yep. I remember. I was a sophomore at the time taking notes. But, yep, I remember. And uh, head coach said no. And so we went on to lose the next uh, five games. <laughs> uh, we tied. Purely because he said no. Tied one game, and then we did win the Thanksgiving Day game, which saved the coach's job. job. Uh, and they drove us around the town for about an hour in the buses because we hadn't beaten them in 10 years. <laughs> and it's Thanksgiving Day, and I'm thinking, wow. I mean, we just moved there. That, that game was it played like at 10 in the morning, Edge. Yeah, it played before uh, lunch. Before lunch. Yeah. And I remember being on that bus. That? Was that normal? Was that normal to do that? Like yeah. In the morning like that? Only on, Thanksgiving. On, only on Thanksgiving Day, and that was oh, okay. the rivalry okay. day, and this goes back, I mean, what, over 100 years. It was, it was a long Why time. Let me say that, Greg, before you go on, I, I was talking to people in Utah trying to tell them that um, we were playing our Thanksgiving Day football game against Newburyport six years before Utah became a state. Yes, we were. And, <laughs> okay. and that, what, what, what fascinated me wow. as a sophomore, a very young sophomore at the time, was that when we won the game uh, and they were driving us around the town, the rotary that they have there, of course, and then grown men uh, were tearing us out of the bus 
screaming using words that we will not use on air, the FCC rules, and and, and had apparently been consuming alcohol consistently since 10 o'clock in the morning. Copious amounts <laughs> uh, before the thing started. And, uh, you know, that, and Mikey, it was just amazing. You wonder why so many family Thanksgivings just end badly, right? <laughs> I, I, and I was we're driving, at least my sophomore year, we had gone to Ipswich to play football. And um, we drive through Newburyport to get to Ipswich. And I said, I don't understand what, why we have this riot. What's the problem? And then like 25 rocks hit the side of the bus wow. from this park where these kids were throwing. They, said, they saw Amesbury on the bus and just started pelting us with rocks. <laughs> so then I was all in, man. I was yeah, all in. Yeah. For, the, for the honor of Amesbury. Yes. Because um, you got to dedicate your body to the gods of football. I was actually told that, Mike, as, as a sophomore. I had a pad on my forearm. I was four eleven ninety nine pounds at the time, and, and I had a, I had a pad on my forearm because what I was smart enough at that time, even not that bright of a kid, but smart enough at that that time, knowing I was going nowhere in any sport, let alone football. And why would I damage any part of my body for this stupid game? So I put this pad on, and he told me, I won't say his name because, but he's a very nice man. But he told me that I should take that pad off and develop scar tissue. On my forearms, offered up to the gods of football. At that time, I realized I must have been what thirteen, fourteen at yeah, the time. Yeah. I realized that at that time, um, even though I was still an average student, I was smarter than him. No, no at this point, <laughs> we're, we're we're in Greg's office here, and I, I I think we've got ferns, decorative ferns, that are smarter than that guy right now. He was, he was kind, but wow. Yeah, that was amazing. So, yeah. Um, so back to this. We have we we have a game here tonight. Uh, very excited. It's the first game at the stadium. Uh, BYU will be playing against number nine Baylor. And as we mentioned previously, when we had on our guest, a BYU linebacker, uh, I'm I'm just blanking. I just blanked, Greg. Oh, uh, Bywater. Yeah, Ben and, Ben and Bywater, Bywater. Mm-hmm. number two, and he's wearing black shoes. I asked his grandmother this week why the black shoes. And she said, I, he's, so you can see him, she said. And it made me think of Penn State, how they always wear the black shoes no matter what. And it, it makes you look slow, but you're not. And this dude's wearing black shoes. I could think of Penn State. But Ben, ben Bywater told us uh, six months ago that the Baylor game was so physical. It took like a week to recover from the wave of big boys coming in and pounding on just one big guy after the next coming in. So tonight we have a bit of a problem, Greg. Yeah, we have a bit of a problem because our two best receivers – one didn't play last game either, but the one who did and scored multiple touchdowns in the first quarter, they're both not going to play. Yeah, he's got a bad foot. Yeah. So so we're in there without that, but our tight ends, we got a, a plethora. We do. Of tight ends. Hopefully we can use them. And yeah. our quarterback's got wheels. And we got a good back. Yeah, I don't know about our defense right now. Yeah, well, we'll see. We're going to find out. That's the one thing that I worry about, and that you've experienced it, Mike, for a long time, is that you know we, we we're, will we be ready for – the Big Ten, Big Twelve, excuse me, in the sense that you know they're just what we experienced last year with Baylor kind of made me a little nervous about are we deep and strong enough? Yeah, it's it's the physicality of it, and and that's why Iowa State for years and years and years could never compete because you might have a few linemen and especially those kind of positions that, but once you got dinged up a little bit, you had no depth, and you just couldn't you couldn't play with some of these teams. Yeah, you couldn't you do it. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 but that's, I mean, that's to be expected, right? When somebody goes into a new conference, a new style of football, you talked about UCLA earlier with the Big Ten, they're going to have to adapt their style of football if they want to be successful. 
in that conference because that that's a whole nother level of physicality i think when i watch those games oh yeah yeah i do remember watching uh, going to um going to a michigan game um with our good friends and uh and then we went to watch byu play umass at gillette stadium and we invited them to come and the um the dad uh, basically said uh bill i love him bill said uh, no offense, but this is kind of like almost like a, like a high school game. <laughs> it's really slow, and uh, I don't know what's no, happening. When I you said, lead with no offense, yeah, it's clearly yeah. coming with an offense. So uh, I don't think he was wrong. It wasn't the prettiest game I've ever seen. No, uh, brutal. So, so talking about these things, let's talking about being in a bad spot right now. We'll talk about our New York Yankees for a minute here, Mike. And the the, the implosion is almost complete. They're down to a three and a half game lead. They've lost. Something like twelve or thirteen games in the in the, uh, in the loss column, and Tampa Bay is right on top of them, three and a half games out. They lost last night, four to two. The Yankees trotted out a lineup against Minnesota that, um, if they had played in spring training, they would have received a formal letter from the commissioner <laughs> that says there aren't sufficient numbers of real players on the field. You have to have a number of MLB players, not just minor leaguers, even during spring training. And our lineup now is minus five starters. So, so I, I haven't. My wife and I and our two sons were in the Yankee Stadium not last night, but the night before. And um, when they put the lineup on the big, you know, scoreboard, I thought, who, who are these guys? I mean, and it was it was stunning to actually sit there and watch it and say, who, who are these guys? Uh, and so we really, due to injury, is that right? Yeah, they got yeah. a lot of injuries. So Ben Intendi is out; may never come back this year. D.J. LeMahieu has a bad toe. He's been out. He hopes to come back. Carpenter's foot has been broken. Don't think he'll come back. Um, then they have... Stanton's uh, barely back. Stanton has problems with his Achilles. Yep. Uh, Rizzo has some type of migraine issue where he can't get himself settled. He got, he got an epidural or something, didn't yeah. he? Donaldson's on maternity leave. Trevino's on paternity leave. And so they're down to Judge and Torres are the, are the only regular starters on the team. So seven guys that don't normally play. And, and nobody, I mean, nobody cares. It doesn't matter. You're, they're going to be, they're going to be out of the division lead by the end of next week, and, and then they're going to have to fire everybody. <laughs> That's just how it is. I'm not sure I agree with and, all. And, that. and and here's the biggest problem, Greg. The biggest problem is that perhaps this implosion will make Judge consider someplace else. If he hasn't already done so, he might say, "Let's go play for the Dodgers." I'm from California. Let's go play for San Diego. Giants won. Excuse me. Giants. Let's go do that right now, and then we're going to be without him. Would be a bad day, very, very bad day. So, that's all bad. But baseball has some good news. The rules committee—I hadn't heard this. Hey, you, you referenced it earlier, but uh, here it is, Mike. COVID fog all week. I don't know what's going on. Well, here, here we go. First one is that they will institute the pitch clock, which means when you get that ball back in your hand, and if there are no runners on base, you have 15 seconds to deliver the next pitch. If you don't, it's an automatic ball. If you're Any hitting idea what the average uh, time is right now without the pitch uh, count, all I know is that the pitch count has led to in minor league baseball, the reducing the game's total time by 26 minutes. Oh, which yep. that's a big deal. It is a big deal. So now if you, if you're a hitter, if you're not ready to hit with eight seconds to go on the pitch clock, it's an automatic strike uh, against you. You can only step off the rubber two times in an at bat. And throw to first. That's it. If players advance, then you can do it. If people advance during the at-bat, you can keep doing that. That's all you get. Can't do that. And you can only throw over twice? Yep. 
So once once somebody's thrown over twice, then that runner just knows they can get a giant lead. Yes. So you have to be judicious with that. They're also going to make the bases four inches wider. That was the one thing that nobody disagreed about. Yeah. Really. Because they had a committee that was mixed of uh, players and um, I guess there were some umpires and that, of course, owners. And they think that's a safety issue. Especially at first base. Yep. They think. Yeah. They're going to well, make the those bigger. Are, you know, the people are just bigger people now. So you need more. More room. More and room. and that will, I, I, I like that idea. That's a good idea. Greater stolen. They think stolen bases did go up as well in the minor leagues with the bigger bases. So that's that. And um, so the pitch, pitch clock says you can't step off. You've got 20 seconds when there's runner on base. Um, and, and that's wonderful. But here comes evidence. Here comes the big number one. That God, God does exist. The shift is done. There's no more shift. Ugh. No more shift because <clears throat> there is a God. So here's the thing. Mm-hmm. When, the, when the game starts, when the pitch happens, you have to have both feet on the dirt. Unless you're on the infield grass, you cannot be on the outfield grass. There can be only two players on each side of second base. No more than that. You cannot switch and move the third baseman to short. I mean, move the third baseman to second base, and the first baseman to third, you can't do that anymore. You can't play with four outfielders anymore. You can play with more infielders if you want. Yep. But you cannot play with people playing short right field anymore. Thank you. Thank you. Who did you, who did you pay to get this decision through? You know, didn't didn't Dale Murphy say he agreed with me that if you, can't, if you don't like the shift, just beat it? Yeah, he did say that, but um, but uh, it doesn't. But it fell out the boat. It doesn't matter. There were some <laughs> signs, though, of continuing struggles between the owners and the players' association in connection with this, because when it came to these three things, that I don't think there was any problem with respect to the base. I think it was unanimous. I think it was. Yeah. But when it came to um, the, the 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 clock, the players felt that they they weren't actually against the concept at all, but they wanted longer periods of time. Yeah. And and so they voted against it because they felt they weren't listened to about it. And when it came to um, the shift, they actually voted against it as well. Also, I don't think because they hate the shift being removed, but because they felt they weren't listened to on some ways in which it would actually occur. I don't, I don't okay. care. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what happens. What a surprise. He doesn't care. I, I don't care. It's done. Left-handed <laughs> hitters now can hit the ball hard. And not be thrown out by a short right fielder. Yeah, which I watched at the game the other night. I watched like four Yankees get thrown out by a guy who was sitting there in, in, in short right field. Right. I mean, those are hits. The, they, normally they would be. Yeah, so it should be. That's all good. And that's next year. Excited about that. Uh, did they mention anything about the um, extra innings runner on second base rule? I did not see that. I think that's going to stay. I don't like that rule. Yeah. Not a fan of that. I'll start. They, they can't give you everything, Inch. I'll start talking about it. Eventually, they'll change it based on that. So, um, so, 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 baseball is going to change back to what it was meant to be, and um, and the Yankees are imploding, and I'm expecting them to fire everybody. There you go. And I, if Aaron Hicks ever plays again for the Yankees, I I don't think I'll wear a Yankee hat the rest of the season. <laughs> so, so there it is, that Mike. So, so. <clears throat> Realignment's coming. College football, great day. Do you think Texas has a chance against Alabama today? I do not. I do not. Um, but, you know, they're, they're probably, Texas is probably going in the right direction, although I think you mentioned it the last time I was on the show, Greg. Sarkeesian's he's got to produce pretty fast down there. There's not a lot of patience yep. uh, down, down in burnt orange country. 
But no, I don't think they have a chance. So I was listening to Rick Neuheisel, who said that Sarkeesian and Texas Longhorns will score on the first drive. He believes that he will orchestrate this thing, and he knows how to do it because he did it for others to score against Texas against Alabama. They also were joking on College Game Day how excited they were there, <clears throat> and Herb Street said, "There's only one guy who knows, who really knows what the hell's getting off those buses soon, and that's Sarkeesian. He knows exactly what that team's <laughs> going to be like." Having yep. been there for so long, so you know he. Now, now Texas is loaded with athletes, and you know, so it's it's not not necessarily. I mean, there's I think every team Alabama plays, they have a athletic advantage over depth for sure. But so it's not like you're you're, you're playing against a bunch of two stars or something. I mean, they got they're loaded. But that's a team that didn't even didn't even go to a bowl last year. Did yeah. They? No, they did not. No, no. And they lost and, to, and, uh, and they also didn't have one player get drafted in the NFL, which I find stunning. That is shocking. But, I did not know that, but the power of Elizabeth you know, is University real. Of Kansas had one. Yes. That's the power they of Elizabeth. Did. She's, she's making the differences yeah. there. By the way, they're one and oh, she yep. wants a shout out. <laughs> Her team. Let me tell you, they're yes. a football school now. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. And we are looking forward to the game. When the Pesci's go to Iowa state, Yes. And when the Beagers come to BYU, we are out of yeah. our minds looking forward to that. That is going to yeah, be a good time. There'll be, be no excuses. There are no excuses. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It Plans has to happen. Rooms are being booked. That's it right now. So, okay. So college football happening still, Yankees imploding. Then we want to talk about something that happened at our university this past week or two that got national attention and seems to be an example of what happens today when we rush to judgment. This is where we will sound like apologists. We're just going to give the facts without passion or prejudice to start with, and yep. then the passion will As we out. currently know them. As we know them. So um, we're going to ask uh, the attorney to lay out the facts here so that we can keep ourselves as pertaining to our expertise yeah. from prima facie habeas <laughs> corpus issues that, <laughs> that might corpus. lead to things like... Uh, Un, unrighteous to me. Okay, I, I don't. I, I don't pretend to know all the facts here, but I can give you an overview as I understand it, and jump in and tell me what I may have missed. But uh, the Duke University women's volleyball team played at BYU some time ago, a week or two ago, something like that. And um, it, it turns out that during it, it appeared that during the game, uh, one of one or more, at least one, I mean, I think more of the Duke players um, um, said that they were uh, receiving. Racial hearing racial slurs um, yelled at them, and um, and the, and, it, and obviously that's that's an awful thing. And they felt uncomfortable. There were some allegations that there were threats about how safe they would be going out to their buses after after the game, um, after the match. Excuse me. And so um, there, that that broke on you know nationally in some stories. It got on a, a bunch of different um, all the big. Sh- TV shows were talking, were covering it, and um, and there were some questions about how BYU handle it, whether they were aggressive enough in investigating it in the moment, whether they um, took it seriously enough. Um, g- generally, I think that Tom Homo, the athletic director, was treated fairly and and was and he did everything that he could, and I think even the Duke players involved said that. Um, but in the end, there were these allegations that that had occurred, and so you know BYU had to respond to that as they should. Um, and talked about how that there's no room for racism on this campus as there shouldn't be on any campus in this country or in any place. And, um, but that they were going to conduct an investigation, which I think needs that to happen. And so um, they did uh, conduct that investigation. I think it was yesterday, BYU released, was it yesterday? 
yeah. BYU released yes. the, um, the results of that investigation. And to date, they are, have not been able to find any evidence to corroborate uh, those allegations. They were very careful not to call the players involved uh, you know, misrepresenters or liars or anything like that, but they just said, we, we just don't have anything to show that. At the, the, the night of the game, there was one fan who was allegedly the, the person who did this, If it, maybe not the only yes. one, mm-hmm. and he was removed from the facility and was actually given a lifetime ban from, from being at, on BYU. I don't know if it's definitely sports, but I think on the campus at all. Yep. And, and um, so after yesterday, that was reversed. Let me, let me ask you a question there, Greg, because sure. I, I, you guys brought me up to speed on this, but he was removed based on what? Like, does some, I thought that part of this is nobody heard him say anything around him or they, nobody admitted to hearing him. Right. Say and I think, I think what did they remove him based on like the players actually pointed and said, it's that, guy. I think it was in that direction of the stands from where he was sitting, that he might be the person who had, who had done it. It's a good question. I don't know the exact, all the facts on that, Mike. And, but and somehow but, they identified this one. Yes. Guy, I'm just wondering who suggested he was, that. if there, there may have been more, but he certainly was one of them is what they were saying that night. Um, and he was removed. Turns out he's not a BYU student, goes to another university very close by. Um, and then after they ended the, the uh, investigation, um, they came back and said he's no longer banned. But during the same time period, the um, head women's basketball coach for the University of South Carolina, I think her last name is Staley, I believe. Yeah. Um, she. Now they're, they're the national champions, I think, weren't they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And, and uh, um, she said that there was a home-and-home home series between BYU and um, South Carolina women's basketball now. And um, she said that she did not, at this time, to be fair to her, she did say that at this time she did not feel that it was a safe thing for her to bring her students to. And so she canceled that home and home before this investigation was over. This is the problem that I have, not with her, but with our sort of society generally, and that is that there seems to be a rush to judgment. And by people who really have had no exposure at all to any of the potential facts. And so she was confronted with that yesterday after this report from BYU, and she said that she had done her own research, which is really an interesting response, uh, that she had done her own research. And uh, I can see how she could just say my gut says this, but that she's done her own research is a little, it's a little difficult to understand and that she, she sticks with her decision. Yeah, and, and by the way, I don't think she actually had the authority to do that, Greg. No, I think, I mean, I, I saw something this morning where I think she may have released it yesterday in which she said she's sorry that the athletic director and the university president at South Carolina has to deal with some of this because yeah. it was her decision. But right. I, I think contractually, it's not her decision. It's not. It's not. So basically what you do is you put it out there in the ether, and at that point, it becomes something they can't retract because lo- it looks bad for them. Right. It, like all of a sudden, we're going to go to this place where, and Mike, this... This BYU, BYU volleyball, both men's and women's, is played in the uh, field house. It's, it's a very intimate place. They have, they have. It was built in 1952. They have, um, yeah, so it's small and it's intimate and it's made, I mean, you get, the fans really have a great experience and they have a bunch of students who sit along the baselines and they're there, they've yeah. been there forever. It's a wonderful thing. Now they're not allowed to sit there. They've taken them out of that. These are two teams that are nationally ranked every year. BYU, Men, men's, men's and women's. Is usually number one or two. Yeah, and the women women's are, usually top ten. Yep, and and now they can't have that experience and advantage because, and by the way, Mike, we're, we're this young woman said this happened, and that's what she said, and she'll have to live with that forever. And there are other members of her family who use that in conversations politically in Texas and other places, and even got retweets from LeBron James on this thing. But here's the deal: it, it would be next to impossible. 
for you to yell anything at a single player and not have hundreds of people hear it. It's it's almost impossible, Mike. It's a very setting. it's a very very small setting, and and, and I think wouldn't you like to wouldn't you like to believe you we live in a world that I'm I know I'm being Pollyanna, but uh, where if that was done, there would have been 99 people around him who said you need to shut up and get the heck out. Yes, of yes, kind of absolutely yes. would happen. That, that people would have said that's you know that's so wrong and out of line. Yep, that you don't belong here. You pick, don't belong here. Pick every one of those incidents in the NBA or in baseball or in not so much football. When people in the stands say something, everybody around them doesn't want to be the one accused of doing it, so they point to that person right away. But yeah, and, and you want to believe that, and, and in many cases it is it, it, it is true, and, and and I think in most cases it's true, but it's not always true. And this is a this is a total Homer moment for me. Yeah, give it to us. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Let's this. Let's do one. it. This, here's my total Homer moment. But if you do turn on the the TV, uh, I'm sorry. If oh, you yeah. l- listen to a recording of the game last year in which BYU played the University of Southern California Trojans in football. Um, if you listen to that, and to give USC credit, both its, both its president and its athletic director apologized to the BYU football team and to the university, and probably, I think, tangentially to to Mormons. Um, you can hear you can hear it. You have to have enough people to hear on a nationally televised football game in a stadium that can hold, what, almost 100,000 people. You could hear them chanting, a large group chanting F, and they used the full word, the Mormons. Now, and apparently there weren't enough people around there to tell them that that was inappropriate and that you should stop. So we do know that, that people, yeah. Don't, people, yeah. don't, people don't always it's, self-correct. You're but, right. But it's it, sad and it's, it, it's just it, a so sad state of affairs. It, it is actually I, it is sad. And I think that in, in this case, for me, the bigger issue outside, I mean, in sports and outside of sports is this. Um, it, we seem to want to rush to judgment. And there are very few consequences for those who do rush to judgment, and it turns out that what they rushed to was wrong. they just kind of able to just say it and sort of move on. To BYU's credit, and, and someone who deeply who believes deeply in due process, not only for the accuser but the accused, to BYU's credit, they said, even in yesterday's announcement, if you have something contrary, the evidence is contrary to what we've found so far, please produce it, right? And so we should we should be able to do that. But in the meantime... Well, there should be a thorough process and not a quick rush to judgment. And, and I think that's a major problem for us today. Yeah, and then with today's world, and you, you referenced all the major TV shows, I'm sure you're talking about like sports talk stuff on TV and the ESPN. And, you know, I, 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 maybe I'm wrong in saying this, but they, they, they're, part of, they're a big part of the problem, I think, because they love to have the controversy because it gives them something to talk about. And don't you think they amplify the situation when there's still it's still unclear what the total facts are? They that doesn't stop them. Nope. They're gonna go talk about it and try to get they're trying to polarize people on purpose. And I think Mike on the end to that one is you have to virtue signal. If you don't, your silence is complicit. And so you have to say something as if everybody believes that what they have to say matters to anybody. It's 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 absolutely amazing to me what the thoughts might be and why would I care what, what someone thinks? Why would I care what a movie star, TV star, athlete, business person, what do I care about? I have my own thoughts about these things. Right. And, and so right. having, having said this, this is more than likely a um, Jesse Smellett case. This is more than likely that, Greg. It's more than likely what happened, and nobody did it better 
than Dave Chappelle doing the Juicy Smollett bit about that. And he said, we, weren't, we were not supporting him on this because we knew he was lying. And this one, I don't know what would motivate this kid. I feel badly about the whole thing. But it, it, it makes me, it harkens back to what happened in the, in the Duke rape case with the lacrosse team. At, at the end of that thing, these kids were vilified, had to leave the university. I, I, I think Duke had to pay each of them close to $20 million for the way they left them hanging because the court of public opinion said that they were guilty. Later find out that the prosecutor was actually sent to jail for, for lying about the DNA, Greg. Right. I agree, and I, I think what this does is this. Again, there's always a chance, I, I, and I believe this, there's always a chance that there'll be you know, countervailing evidence, and if there is, bring it forward. We want, what, we want real justice and the truth in this process, and if it's there, it's there. And it's possible anywhere in this world that there are people who are, there, let me change that, there are people who are bigoted, who are, uh, um, who are racist and who are bigoted in every community in the world. There just, they just are. And so is it possible this happened? Sure, it's possible. And so get the evidence out. I think the thing that gives me pause is this. Um, You could, we could be subject to allegations that are unsubstantiated. Anybody listening to this, all 17 of you could be subject (laughs) to to allegations that are not real. We're up to 25, And, and, and And you want to have a process that says, um, that there's going to be a full vetting of it and that there really is due process. And so you just can't say something and tell everybody that you have to believe it. Now, I do think just, just the last piece on the legal side, I will say this. It is unfortunate, though, at the same time, that sometimes when you do have legitimate challenges, I've had experiences within my own family, extended family and friends where people have been, and particularly women, who have been you know, mistreated at a, on a job it's hard to prove it. Yes. It's very, it's too hard to prove yep. it, right? Yep. And, and so we, there's something wrong there. We still have to fix that. But yet at the same time, let's not drop the whole standard of due process. There it is. Yeah. And I, I just think yeah. that if you had that comment and if you talked about it happening in the hallway someplace, but the fact that they've taken all of the sound and taken out all the broadcasts and everything else can't hear anything that sounds like the USC chant of F the Mormons. Right. It, it just becomes hard to believe. So, uh, they'll move on from this thing. Uh, I think BYU did the best it possibly could with this. People who overreacted and start demanding that BYU students be trained in all of these things. Yeah, that, that Maoist crap is not they, for me. We have to learn from this. From from what? When it really happens, we should learn from it. And right. I think it's really hard to believe that um, the people sitting around that person would not have has, would not have said something. It's hard for me to believe uh, that. That's, I, I just want to believe that. I, You know, when I was... Uh, uh, quarantine for these last few days. I, I watched pretty much every sports movie. Um, <laughs> and we know we've discussed which ones are the best. So you right. know which ones yeah. I watched. Yeah. But I watched 42 again. Yeah. You guys remember that? Movie? Yes. It's a great show. Fantastic movie. Yep. And just unthinkable if, 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 if that, you know, as portrayed went on, unthinkable stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Happened. Yeah. Absolutely, Mike. And that um, to the point where I, I always say that, that it was so prevalent that the fact that he stole home and the guy called him safe. Yeah, told me that that, that that umpire thought the integrity of the game is more than whatever was happening in society at the time. Didn't care what would happen to him. The beginning of the movie, he, the the movie, movie he's safe by two steps on a on his, on his first what should have been his first hit. Right. If it, if they're, maybe they're sensationalizing for the movie, he's two steps past the bag and they call him out. Yeah. Yep. Nothing no, you can no, do about it. Nothing you can do about back then. So so okay. So that that 
it, and time, as Greg mentioned, time will tell. They'll play it out still. Maybe we've rushed to judgment on uh, this thing. I, I mean, we're still open to it. You got evidence? Bring it out. Let's do yeah. it. So, um, that that yeah, it's just a it's a it's a it's a difficult situation for everybody, and it's it's a it's a sad situation. Let's let's hope that it's not true, but let's also try to understand you know what what motivates all of this to unfold like that. It's 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 like Greg. I think you said it best. It's um, it's complicated. It's yeah. just always so complicated. Yeah. So let's but, move uh, into. Let's finish by saying like uh, tonight, mm-hmm. Greg. You're at the game. Yes. You, you work in the game. Yes. So as you know, Mike. Uh, Pesci Sports does have the uh, BYU Game Day app. So Greg and his team, which would be your sons, right, and your son-in-law, yes, are going to be going gathering information, putting together snippets. Are you guys delivering stuff to seats still? No, not not this year. Okay, but but, uh, but BYU's done some some cool things with it, and they're nice enough to let us uh, be there and just help out in the process. So we're grateful to them. So I'm there tonight. Uh, this is the first time we've ever had uh, season tickets. Uh, going to go. With uh, six of us tonight for that thing, I'm excited about that. I don't think I have great seats, but I have not been contributing enough to the uh, <laughs> to the, the to the cause to get great seats. And uh, Nello did <laughs> Nello did describe to me what we have to do next year to get better seats, and uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, it's a lot. So, Mike, how will you watch this game with the family? Yeah, let's talk about it for a little bit because we're we're actually down at the lake. Um, got Joe and Brad down here, and uh, so we're um, and they've got friends and things that are here. So it's, uh, we're going to do that with some neighbors down here at the lake and watch the game. Um, you know, it, it's, I know it's Iowa, so it's, it's, it's uh, flyover countries, like I say, but it, it's a big day in the state of Iowa. Everywhere you go, you go to the grocery store yesterday, you know, what are you doing for the game? And everybody wants to know. And it, and it actually, you know, spreads all the way out to my, my brother in Cincinnati, my brother, Brian out there, NJ, you know, and I think yeah. know too. Yep. they're watching with, uh, my sister-in-law, Kim, who is a Hawkeye. So they're house divided. So okay. they got the, All right. that little thing going on. And they're with their friends, Chuck and Pat, who are Chuck wrestled for Iowa, I guess. And, uh, I think they were the, uh, alumni club presidents for the university of Iowa. Out okay. That way okay. okay. So whoa, whoa, whoa. Call and time out. Call and time out here, Mike. Chuck wrestled for Iowa. I, that's my understanding. That, that's not, you don't mess with Chuck then. Yeah. No, no. Or Dan you, Gable. You, you, yeah. I, you I, don't mess with Chuck. So they're in around that era, but, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's it's it carries out beyond the state. It pours over the borders. Um, you know, there there'll be, I think, uh, Kinnick holds in the seventy thousand, seventy five thousand range, and there'll be they estimate well over a hundred thousand people there tailgating and wow. celebrating before the game. Uh, my son Matt's over there. He's a, a medical student over there now, so he's in the area. Um, but and then. Uh, we got Elizabeth only focused on KU football. Yeah. So that's what's going yeah. on in the bigger family. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, what's she got today? Big day, big day here in the state of Iowa. And it's actually, I think it's going to be a very competitive game, kind of an entertaining game, two very different styles, um, two I, very good I, football. I got coaches. the Cyclones winning by five, Mike. Let's hope for the sake of the house. It's going to happen. Otherwise, we're losing everything. We're, we're sleeping in a van down by the river. <laughs> what, 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 t- what time is the kick? It's actually a 4 p.m. Eastern. Yep. So uh, 3 p.m. Central Time, and uh, I don't know, what is that, like 9 in the morning for you guys? It's 4.30. It's 2 o'clock. It's 4.30 in the morning. It's 2 o'clock. At that point, we'll be a half-hour segment. It's uh, it's on the Big Ten Network, uh, Ah. so it's a home game for Iowa. Um, But it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And and I want to point out one other thing that that I want to mention, because I think it's one of the greatest things in sports, and you'll see it today if you watch the game. And I encourage anybody to watch it, is at the end of the first quarter, for every University of Iowa game, is the um, 
they call it the wave. Have you guys heard about this at all? Yes, we have. Okay. Tell us more. They, everybody in the stadium turns and you, there's children's hospital kind of towers up over the stadium and looks down into the stadium and it's uh, kids that are going through cancer. Kids are going through a lot of really difficult situations. And um, some mom years ago, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago started this, you know, through kind of a groundswell social media thing that they would stop at the end of the first quarter and wave to the kids in the treatment center. Well, it's, you know, it's everybody now. So it's, yeah. it's both teams. It's the referees. It's all the fans, obviously. It's all the players on both teams. All turn, turn and stand and wave. That's awesome. Really probably one of the coolest things yeah, in all That's sports. awesome. It's and, beautiful. Uh, that's what it's supposed so to be about. Yeah. Kudos to the University of Iowa for yep. having that. And it's three years ago, this game is when, do you remember the Carson King story that happened here? The kid. He's at Iowa State. They're doing game day there. Yeah, and I, yes. I think I was did a show maybe. Nah, we wouldn't have been doing the show yet, but I know I talked to you that day. I said, go up there. And the kid holds up a sign saying, beer money is low, Venmo, and he puts his Venmo on there, thinking that he might get somebody to be free right, and give right. him 20 bucks to, to buy a bush light. And he put on there, I think he had bush light on there is what he wanted. He raised over $3 million. Oh, my gosh. Unreal. By asking for beer money. And you know what the kid did? He gave the money to the children's hospital in Iowa City, yeah. the, the rival team. So, um, and that, that, and now they created a, they call it the Carson King Foundation, and it's raised millions and millions of dollars for that hospital and those kids. And um, I think it's one of the great stories. It's tremendous. There's just a lot of good in flyover country, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Good but things it's a really happen. cool picture of the kid, this Carson kid holding this made up handmade sign, and he's standing right behind Herb Street. And they zoom, zoom in on it, and enough people saw it that the money started pouring in. And and I, I, I heard at the time, I don't know what he ended up doing, he said he kept enough money to buy one 12-pack of beer. And he gave <laughs> Good for you, man. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. awesome. That's how it's supposed to be. So, Mike, it's kind of a fun, fun thing. We're going we're gonna to close it here today. We're not going to have the exit music from Mike in Middle America since you've been the, on the show with us. It's been a pleasure. Can you it for me, NJ? I, I don't even remember it, but it is, it is um, <laughs> ceremonial and feels like we're entering a coliseum when it's played. And that's all that matters. So good to have you on the show, Mike. Great to have you with that microphone. You sound fantastic. So we can hear, everybody can hear you better. It's perfect. Well, thanks for having me back. It's always great to talk to you guys. This is It's Never Just a Game. I'm Greg Pesci. And I'm NJ Pesci. And we'll see you next week.